please wait. Uh, please wait. Please wait until I get my new car. Please wait until I find my real size. I'm gonna get me some love, love, some body. My girl. Sweet girl. All right, hello there and welcome to another episode of the City Business Edition here on 97.3 City FM. My name is Michael Obudu and today we are continuing with our conversation on customer service delivery. And today we are focusing on barriers to delivering excellent customer service. And I'm sure if you tuned in last week, you obviously enjoyed your session with Professor Ebo Henson, who is a big, a big industry person when it comes to customer service delivery. He's in studio with us today to continue. Prof, you're welcome again. Always good to be here, sir. And I am excited to have you back in studio because last time's own was was a lot of quality information i must say thank you so much sir. thank you so much so let's go straight into we're looking at the barriers to delivering customer quality customer service yes please but first of all african here in africa we are very nice people and yeah. Ghanaians, for instance our anthem is the fact that we are very hospitable welcome, hospitable yeah. welcoming people yeah. but why does it seem like we are struggling with this whole customer service issue well, it's a paradox I've been trying to crack for 25 years as well because we all claim to be hospitable and sometimes we have dealt some of the most disastrous mm. um, service encounters when we want to patronize some good or service. So here's what I've found. After working for five years in industry and 20 years as an academic and consulting all over the place and... Um, I've never met a single chief executive officer, not one, mm. who didn't want service excellence in the organization. No, not one. Every single, everybody I've met, minister of state, head pastor, CEO, MD, they all want superior customer experiences. So why is it that if the hearts of these senior people are in the right place, it's so difficult to translate those good intentions into a certain homogeneous type of service quality across all the various customer touch points. It's, it's something that's really intriguing to see. Mm. But after working with several organizations, here is my assessment of why we seem to be struggling in Africa a bit around delivering homogeneous, superior customer service. First thing is that till today, customer service is rarely treated as a strategic imperative. Mm. No, it's not. I mean, like, the, the intentions are good, mm. but very few people will call Professor Henson and say, Prof, 2022 is ending. Can we engage you to develop a two-year service excellence strategy for us, or a five-year customer experience strategy, put in various milestones and benchmarks and describe in great detail the kind of service blueprints we will need, what the tracking mechanisms will be, how you are going to map customer emotional journeys, how you are going to integrate service delivery into the other business functions. No, 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 no. The most I get is come and train. 
Mm. Then they'll give you some two thousand dollar. Then you thank God for your for, for, for your life and walk away after one day with the two thousand dollars. But then I'm wondering, what will be the real effect of that one tree intervention? Not 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 much really. Not mm. not much. Wow. So I got an email yesterday from a leading medical institution in Ghana, and the email said, Professor Insin, we heard you speaking about service excellence. We want to engage you to develop a three-year customer care strategy for us. I was like, wow, hallelujah to that. Mm. Because clearly this is a serious entity. Yeah. Big medical facility with big doctors and big equipment. Look, here's what it is. If you are going to spend $50 million or $100 million to bring world-class kidney equipment and renal equipment, I, I, I saw something on Facebook recently. A friend of mine had brought something called O-Arm or Q-Arm. I think it was Medtronics, and I was like, wow. And then they were saying things like, this is the next phase in surgical procedure. Wow. I was very happy. Like, so you are buying expensive equipment. Mm. You have nurses who are rude. <laughs> security men who are terrorizing you in the car park, people who are causing your blood pressure to rise artificially. So when they check, it's not your own blood pressure, wow. but it's the hospital stress that has changed the numbers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what are you talking about? That's a business dead on our I'm telling you. So the blood pressure is misbehaving because of the people in the hospital. You are fine. Oh. In fact, when they let you sit there and drink water for 10 minutes, blood pressure will be normal. So, I mean, I mean, so, so the question is that the, the, the heart is good, but the translation into pure strategy mm. is not happening. And you know, I told you in session three or four, we'll be dealing with something called branded customer service. Yeah. Where we move from customer service as cost mm. to customer service as necessity okay. to customer service as competitive advantage. Mm. And then finally, customer service as a living expression of the corporate brand. That's when you fully arrived. Mm. It means that what your brand promises your service department delivers day after day, wow. hour after hour, minute after minute. Then you've achieved what we call complete branded customer service status. Mm. So I can tell you without going to the, the third or fourth interaction we deal with you that for most organizations in Africa today, customer service is still cost. Shockingly, I'm telling you, for those who are doing slightly better, mm. customer service is necessity. But very few have moved to the point where customer service is now seen as a competitive advantage tool. It hasn't happened yet. And wow. these are the four stages of customer service evolution. Customer service as cost. Customer service as necessity. Customer service as competitive advantage. And then finally, customer service as an essential living expression of the corporate brand. We are not there at all. Mm. So to companies move away from customer service at cost, you still have good intentions, good promises, good English, good mantra, good slogans, but the translation into making your service ambassadors a daily living expression of the brand promises you've made, it will still be a far way for us to all go. So wow. I'm sorry, the intentions are good, but we still don't understand the full strategic imperative hmm. of using service as a, 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 a brand leverage. And there's one more thing I need to ask. So this book I wrote on customer service essentials, lessons for Africa and beyond. I did something I've never seen any author of customer service or customer experience books ever 
ever, ever, ever do. And I've, trust me, I've read about 25 to 30 of them. I read them. I'm still reading. Here's what I did, which was novel in my book, the co-authored book. In the first chapter of the book, I put in something called service, reward, and recognition systems. Okay. Where I discussed the fact that we also need to move to the point where those who deliver good service should be rewarded openly and rewarded lavishly. Wow. Then they become good examples for those who want role models to copy. Wow. But if we have a situation where in a certain corporate setting, mm. good one day, bad one day, good one day, bad one day, nobody gets punished, then what are we doing? Because those who even want to go the extra mile are not incentivized because when they look at those destroying the organization with their bad service, nothing happens to them. Mm. So we need to develop service excellence committees, come up with things like above and beyond the call of duty awards, come up with things like going the extra mile awards, and have clear mechanisms for rewarding service champions. First mm. Timothy 5.20, the B part says, them that sin repeatedly punish openly that the rest may stand in fear. Mm. <laughs> so those who are repeat service offenders, there's a point at which you must punish them openly. Wow. Then those who want to do bad will, will repent before they start. Then soon there'll be service conformance, there'll be service wow. homogeneity, and then we all start doing the right thing. That's where we should be going as Africa. Customer service cannot remain as a cost. But those are some of the reasons why, in spite of the best intentions of leaders, the strategic imperative is missing. And so they can't translate the service discipline to the front desk people, the security men, the nurses, the medical doctors, the university lecturers, and by the way, my goodness. Oh, let me confess, we can terrorize students sometimes. So the students are always traumatized. Mm. Meanwhile, the vice chancellor is saying, love the students, give them good student experiences, care for them. Meanwhile, when you come and check the actual service, it can be very problematic. And then sometimes alumni too are not happy with us. Because one transcript is taking 30 days. Why should a transcript take 30 days? So, I mean, I, I, I'm saying that we all need to step up a bit sure. in looking at customer service, not just at cost, mm. but translating it into a strategic imperative. That is when we'll start to see true service excellence. Well, then that means that uh, we as a continent really have a long way to go. We do, but um, I think that, uh, please, hope is not lost, because I've been to other continents as well where, in fact, some of the service has also been uh, uh, problematic at best. So I've always said that, look, in a room where everybody wears a black shirt, when you wear red, you stand out. So in a place like Ghana, just raising your customer service game a little will get you to stand out. Because sometimes, oh, sorry, and by the way, we have not done too badly. I mean, if you take institutions like APSA, okay. they've appointed a chief customer officer. I mean, so there are institutions where they are beginning to see the utmost importance mm. of service as a strategic imperative. So they are appointing very senior people to sit in the C-suite and really champion the thing at a high level. Okay. Those people report straight to the CEOs. And that is where you can really begin to see change because in places like North America, a chief customer officer is not a novelty. It's fairly common. Mm. So that's where we, all sh we should also be going, where we make customer service a high elevated position so it can get the gravitas it needs to really effect organizational change. That's okay. where we should be going. So, so from what you've said, uh, 
from a management perspective, clearly it means that they would have to begin to see uh, change their perception about how relevant customer service is to Absolutely. the organization and A- its life. Absolutely. So what other barriers would you say are there to delivering quality customer service? Okay, so apart from really seeing customer experience, customer service as a strategic role, there are other barriers that have to do, for instance, with when you take a majority of Sorry, when you take a good sample of public and private sector entities in Africa, sometimes you find that company policies, they exist for company convenience and control. Mm -hmm. Let me explain that a bit. So, you have senior executives who design and enforce company policies. And then, they design it in such a way that They don't factor in customer feedback or customer concerns into the way they design these policies. So the policies tend to be inward-looking. Same thing sometimes with a university that's introducing new programs. They would introduce it based on what they feel we want to consume, rather than engaging critical stakeholders like students, like alumni, like industry associations, looking at global trends, and sort of ensuring that you factor in what your consumers also want in designing these policies. If that were not bad enough, the policies sometimes are also designed because of cost control, cutting cost, cutting cost, cutting cost. Um, Being prudent with cost management itself is not bad. But if you are cutting costs to the extent that you don't invest in customer-friendly procedures, you don't invest in customer-friendly systems, you don't invest in customer-friendly practices, then it means that what will happen is that eventually there will be a disconnect between operations, between HR, between marketing, because there will be no common understanding Mm. of the centrality of the customer. So cutting costs is not bad. But really, if you want to have a certain holistic service approach, then you must invest in this service excellence strategy I'm speaking about. So not everything shouldn't be about cutting costs, cutting costs, cutting costs. Cut. Look, I know companies where they will say things like, so customer service, crowd, what, what do you guys bring? Like, so you work at, when you come to work, you close and go, what, what, what do you add? <laughs> so I think that my friends in customer experience, customer service, to deal with this cost issue, Mm. they must also learn to make a business case for investments in customer service and customer experience issues. You're talking about making a business case. Yes. Now, a lot of customer service and marketing people that I've spoken to uh, tend to have a challenge with getting their accountants to see reason to allocate resources uh, to to their department. And that will not change. Because they, they think that it's not in quote a core function of the business. It will I'm change. sure the accountants listening to you. What they're not just accountants, so the finance people are like that. They're, they're <laughs> like they're like first cousins, and I love them. Okay. Look, some of my best friends are accountants. Yeah. They are senior finance people, but it's not their fault. You see. Okay. We must learn to enumerate on the customer service, marketing, brand com, sales. We must learn to enumerate. Okay. Because if I can tell you, my brother, that look, keeping a certain type of customer. Mm. 
saves you from losing the customer. And in reducing customer attrition and saving that customer, mm. I make you $27 million in incremental revenue. Okay. Because if they are defected, that $27 million would have gone to a competitor. You sit up and listen. Wow. But because they, they, they can't make those kinds of arguments, mm. it's seen as some fluffy, in, 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 ill-defined. It's like, so what, what, what do you do really? Like, mm. what, what do you do? Yeah, I know sometimes customers are angry. You cool them down after that. What? You know? No, it's, it's not a fair characterization. Okay. But I know that the challenges with making the business case is sometimes why the policies are always focused on cutting costs, cutting costs. Mm. But I think it's time my colleagues stood up okay. and began to make a stronger business case to ensure that, look, mm. because I've lowered customer attrition by so much, I've improved revenue by so much. Mm. Because I've created favorable mechanisms for customers to get delight, they are spending more. So they are deepening their expenditure with us, they are deepening their spend with us, and there's incremental revenue. Mm. But you need to sit with the various businesses in order to develop this business case. If they do that, trust me, We'll see a stronger focus on service in 2023, then the miracle will come. So first barrier, companies' policies exist for convenience, control, and cutting costs, cutting costs, cutting costs. Mm. Second barrier, decision makers are too far from the customers. They are remote. They are removed from the customer. Mm. So when bank managing directors occasionally do market storms, and I've seen a couple of them do some recently, where they are visiting the Makola women and visiting the barbers and the mm. traders. It shouldn't be for camera purposes only, or for taking photos for LinkedIn or Facebook. No. <laughs> it's so that you do what we call management by walking around. Okay. Because you see, a bank MD, we told you respect, may meet maximum 60 people in a week, maximum 60 customers. Mm. A bank teller can meet 1,600 people in a week. Wow. Yeah. Because of the velocity of the traffic through that particular branch. Mm. So a teller can see 20, 50, or 100 times more customers than a bank empty. Mm. It's not a bad thing. The point I'm making is that because these Boundary spanners, those who are the primary interface are the ones who have their feet to the fire. They can give you the best feedback on changing customer dynamics and what customers really want. I'm not saying MDs don't know. I mean, they have all these reports. They have all these charts. They have all these net promoter scores. They have all those. It's good. But you see, sometimes senior executives don't know the deepest concerns and the deepest desires of their customers. Look, when your customers are looking to your eyes, sometimes we have what you call obvious and latent deeds. Obvious is on the surface, latent is underneath. When I chat with you, I look into your eyes, I can discover things that you want which are not saying with your mouth. Mm -hmm. And as an expert, I can decipher that given the problem you are explaining, the product you are asking for is even inaccurate. I can recommend a better product. Mm -hmm. That is the the power of having the capacity to discover latent needs and not just obvious needs. And if you don't interact with the customer, sometimes you will not be able to discover these things. So when it comes to critical decision making, you find that cinema might make decisions because they don't have a first-hand feel of what's going on 
down there. And, and that can result in decisions being taken where they don't have a clear understanding of the context. They don't understand the limitations of what they are going to decide. But they decide anyway because they just have some information which they are relying on without a certain intimacy with the end users who really are the ones spending the money with you. So please, if you are a CEO, Minister of State, Chief Director, you are a Vice Chancellor, Pro Vice Chancellor like myself, you are a Registrar, please speak to the frontliners. Chat with the students sometimes. Chat with alumni. Speak to current customers. Speak to previous customers. Speak to customers who want to defect. They're about to switch. Do exit interviews. Check with them yourself. Ask them what's going on. Follow the salespeople sometimes on their sales visits. Go to town. Gain a better understanding of sales, marketing, service. Things that confront the organization. Make sure you are front and center. I'm not saying MD should stop working and be working in town visiting traders. No. But I'm saying that there should be a careful mix of that senior management work with a certain close connection with the customers as well. It's one key barrier which I think will be removed if the C-suite executives develop a better intimacy with the customers. Number three. Just to mirror number one, top priority is cost-cutting, 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 cost-cutting. Now, I'm discussing this separately because it's a big problem, sir. It's a big problem. You have a printer that breaks down every 17 days. It's causing major customer upheaval. They are very unhappy. In March 2022, you say you won't buy because you didn't budget for you. Wait for 2023 and put in next year's budget. What are you talking about? I mean, like, you, you can't be serious. No, 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 we didn't budget for it. You didn't, every day you want, no, sir, I know we didn't budget for it. But in the scheme of things, it's causing customer frustration. Customers are leaving, we are losing revenue. In fact, the revenue we are losing, if you change that printer now, you will lose that revenue. Mm -hmm. So you don't look at things only from the standpoint of cost cutting, but from the holistic perspective of what value are we creating. Remember in the first session I said, Focus on value, not on price alone. Mm. I want to re-echo that a little differently now. Focus on value, not just cost-cutting. Because if you cut your nose to spite your face, eventually you will lose when all is said and done. Mm. Next issue is role, ambiguity, and conflict. Wow. When I hear things like, oh, me, I don't talk, oh, me, I'm quiet, oh. Then why are you a teller? I mean, you are quiet too, and you're a teller. How do you expect, are you going to use hand signals to, to, to deal with Yeah, you're not deaf and dumb, huh? So you can't do, I am quiet too. Mm -hmm. But you'll be surprised that sometimes customer support personnel, they suffer from role ambiguity at two levels. One, sometimes they don't have clarity about what they are really supposed to do as customer experience ambassadors. So they say things like, I, I didn't know I, 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 I could take that decision. Or uh, when the customer asked me, we don't have, so I told them that we don't have. And you know, sometimes when you, you consult and you come across these situations, these people are not bad people. Though. Mm. They just don't have a sense that you are allowed to be innovative. You can escalate. You can actually say that, we don't have this product, but we have this other one which can give you a similar benefit. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need a lot of clarity regarding 
like what it is that people can do or not do in delivering on that critical customer facing role. It's so so important because boundaries partners are the first point of contact between you and the external world. In several organizations, they are the least paid, the least motivated, the least empowered when it comes to solving customer problems. So we need to be more scientific and careful about how we select these boundaries partners so they don't suffer role ambiguity that can lead to customer dissatisfaction. There should be clarity, the empowerment should be clear, the mandate should be clear, and they should know that every day they come to work, they are aligned to a particular service vision. Oh, and by the way, their KPIs, the way their performance is measured, should also have a bearing on the, the way they deliver on those service roles. Because if there's a discrepancy between their performance KPIs and what you expect them to do on a day-to-day -day basis, then you are confusing them even more. So I think we need to remove this role ambiguity thing, mm. and then we'll be on to a good thing. Last point indifferent or unmotivated employees hmm. my brother um, the thing is there's 20 30 years of empirical work to show that research to show that there's a positive link between motivation and the delivery of superior service now the famous Sir Richard Branson the famous British entrepreneur said Clients do not come first. It sounds controversial, but this is what he said. He said, employees come first. If you take care of your employees, they will take care of your clients. I think it's very profound, but it's true. So focus on delivering superior internal customer delight first. And then they'll be galvanized to go and deliver external customer delight. Wow. Don't, 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 don't forget that. Focus on delivering mind-blowing internal customer delight first. Mm. Then you are going to motivate and charge these, your internal troops, to go and delight your external customers. It, it's a, an equation sometimes we get wrong. Mm. So people are unhappy, they are ill-concerned, they don't want to connect. And you are pushing these same people to go and excite your external customers. Look, when they go, they are unhappy, they are ill. And you know... I remember several years ago, I went to a church convention and uh, somebody said, you can't infect anybody with something you are not infected with yourself. Wow. Very simple. Wow. So the enthusiasm, the buoyancy, the happiness I radiate mm. at a, as a CTFM salesperson, I will infect you with it. Yeah. So you put your, your program on my super morning show or my city breakfast show or mm. my, 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 my city lights or... or, or What's her name? Is it Akoko? The, the madam in the middle. What, yeah. What's her name? AJ. <laughs> the famous AJ, yes. You go on AJ show. Mm. Did she go to Achimota school? Do you know? Or you're not sure? Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I like those who went to Achimota school. Oh, so, went to Achimota absolutely, school. sir. Oh, <laughs> so, so, I'm saying that there's enough empirical research to show that, look, when you take care of these guys who are internal, mm. they will take care of those who are external. So, Okay. When we talk about service relationship, it shouldn't be short term, it should be long term. And the happier your internal troops are, the more motivated they are to deliver to the external customer. I still keep getting fascinated at how customer service is really integrated into the core of the business. I realize everything. Now you're speaking about ensuring staff are properly motivated so yes. they can go out there. To
It's a human capital matter. Mm. So, you see, sometimes I wish I, 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 somebody would employ me as chief customer officer so that I'll come <laughs> back to town. No, because I, I've been yearning sometimes to not just advise, but to actually take one of these jobs again and mm. do it. Then I'll leave that typology and come back to, to, to the academy. I, sometimes I, but, but I, don't, I don't think anybody will employ me. No, no, it can be done. It can be done. It can be done. It can be done. So, well, if you just tuned in, this is the City Business Edition on 97.3 City FM. My name is Michael Obudu, and you're here listening to Professor Ebo Henson giving us some critical information on customer service delivery. He's sharing with us barriers to quality customer service. But then, uh, Prof, let me find out from you. So, from what you've said so far, is there really an attitude required for service excellence or its inherent, so to speak? Well, I think that we can all develop the appropriate attitudes for totally amazing our various customer audiences. I think that you need to understand that the first requirement for me is what I call understanding cause and effect relationships understanding mm. cause and effect relationships mm. because when you understand the what cause and effect means it means that your behavior will be guided and you know that look one thing you do in the takradi branch mm. affects the whole corporate entity even though the bank has 112 branches so what you do affects the whole picture irrespective of the job role you carry. Wow. Yes, very, very important. And sometimes you get the sense people say, oh, but prof me, I'm just a small fry. Oh, prof, but me, you know, the big people, they don't listen to me. Oh, and I said, no, you can't diminish yourself in the eyes of that service equation because you matter. Mm. So I think some service entities in Africa do not bother to explain to their employees the importance of using service as a competitive advantage. Okay. So, employees feel like they are being forced to become service champions without having a certain mental understanding that no, we sink or swim together. Mm. And indeed, like I said in the first episode, every service chain is only as strong as the weakest link. So it's in my interest that you don't feel because when you feel, we've all failed as a team. So you need to explain to your internal customers cause and effect relationships. The second thing is that we need to develop a better understanding of customer needs. Hmm. Look, what constitutes value to Kofi might mean not, nothing to Kwamina. No, 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 no. Hmm. Because in the scheme of things, you are an advertising agency. And I like speed. That's it. Another client likes high creative output. So you can be slow, but if the advert will win awards, mm -hmm. I'm okay. So it's up to you to keep distilling and distilling what your customer needs are and keep checking over and over again where his needs are changing. Okay. So customer needs to the extent that they are dynamic need to be checked constantly. So please, if the year is ending, you haven't done it, you can call me. I'll come and do a solid baseline customer experience survey for you so that you keep the data for 2022. Okay. Next, I will do a half-year tracker to see whether the indices are moving in a positive or a negative direction. Then when 2023 ends, we'll do a full-year tracker. Then we'll start calculating things like net promoter score and telling you 
who will recommend you, who, who will not recommend you, mm. then you begin to have a certain solid understanding of customer expectations, customer perceptions, customer needs. Because you see, you can't operate based on feelings. You must operate based on data. Mm. And data is king. I mean, like, if you don't have data, you don't have anything. So, employing uh, uh, a certain dynamic approach to understanding customer needs is the second best-in-class attitude for becoming a service champion. The next one is developing a passion for service. So, the triple crown of customer service is high passion, a can-do attitude, and tremendous skill. High passion, a can-do attitude, and tremendous skill. So, once you have these three in the right proportions, you're on your way to service excellence. Mm -hmm. So, passion totally matters. You should be totally engaged with the corporate brand you represent and radiate the excellence at every single customer touch point. So people understand you, understand your offering, and are delighted after you deal with them. The last thing I want to... No, the last but one is respect for people. Respect for people. Don't bring your prejudices into any service situation. Hmm. If you have problems with certain tribes, keep it at home. If you have a problem with women, keep it in your house. Don't bring it to work. So hmm. don't bring your prejudices and idiosyncrasies to come and confuse anybody, please. Whether the person is a walk-in customer or a platinum customer, they all deserve a certain basic modicum of service excellence. Okay. If they are platinum and they give you 80% of your income, you can treat them a little special. But once the person is still in a relationship with you, you have no business treating them poorly. Okay. So respect for people is totally important. Hmm. So the, with service delivery... It cannot dip beyond the standards. No. There should be a certain basic excellence everybody gets. Okay. Then the more sophisticated the customer is, the more revenue they give to you, mm. the, the higher the levels of service you afford them. But okay. everybody deserves a certain basic modicum. Mm. Look, so I've said this on several other platforms. You know, David Ogilvy, one of the fathers of Ogilvy and Martha, said that the true test of a finished account executive is the capacity to have customers like pebbles on the beach and so treat each of them as if you are in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them. Mm -hmm. That's when you've arrived. Wow. So whether the customers are 20 or 2,000, they must all feel that they can get a certain basic level of individualized care. That is respect. Mm -hmm. If you feel you are too big to serve them, you can respectfully ask them to go to your competitor so you can move with your life. But once they are there... Respect is a non-negotiable issue. Mm. Next thing is consistency and perseverance. Wow. Consistency and perseverance. You would be tremendously naive to think that every day will be a good service day. It's impossible. There will be bad days. There will be serious customer problems. People will be angry with you. But you must maintain a certain dogged attitude to wanting to solve it irrespective of the challenges you face. That sort of mindset is what gets you through because consistency and perseverance are two traits of excellent customer experience people. Devoted providers of service persevere in their efforts to gain or maintain a leading edge over their competitors and by so doing they observe consistent standards of customer care. Let me end on this note. CTFM 
has corporate values. So does Silver Star and maybe the National Lottery Authority. Here's what it is. One way of ensuring consistency in services to translate these corporate values into what I call observable service behaviors. Because, for instance, professionalism at CTFM would have a different service buildup compared to professionalism at NLA, compared to professionalism at Silver Star. Meanwhile, professionalism is a core corporate value for all three entities. Mm. So the question is, at CTFM, professionalism, for instance, might mean one, no communication stays on your desk for more than 24 hours. Two, we shall come to work at 8 a.m. every day, irrespective of time. Three, so you can have certain things peculiar to your brand mm. that are essential for delivering high service. Okay. Then within the context of CTFM then, you build a system where people observe those service values. What I find uncomfortably sometimes is that people have all these big corporate values, but they have not translated them into observable service behaviors. So even though people work there, they can't tell you how to live the service on a day-to-day -day basis. That's mm -hmm. a problem. Okay. Because you can have reliability. What does it mean? You can have humility. What does it mean? So we need to have a system where we have all these values that are translated into service charted, customer charters, with clear, observable service behaviors that we can track. So if there's deviance, we come back on track and delight our customer audiences. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Professor Ebo Henson. Uh, <laughs> it's always just fascinating listening to him talk about customer service. Clearly, this man knows his stuff with over 24 years' experience in the space. And he's just been talking to us about barriers to delivering quality and premium customer service. But unfortunately, our time is up. I hope you took some very good notes from all that he said. If you weren't able to tune in from the beginning right after here, you'd be able to find the audio on our SoundCloud account. Just search for uh, City97.3 on SoundCloud and you'll get all this, uh, all the tapes that we've done so far on customer service with Professor Abel Hensing. Well, my name is Michael Obudu. Thank you for tuning in and let's connect on Twitter at mobudu. Catch you same time next week. Please stay safe, stay informed and bye-bye. Sweet girl